the word to us once again. That's right. Every time I step to the pulpit, I need the help of the Lord. Amen. That's the truth. Now I take that. I enjoy that because I need it. I know where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, Uncle Steve, I'll tell you, I, I enjoy the music. You have to understand, I grew up on that music. And so I was ready to fly right into, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. I'm going to praise his name. Oh, he's every day the same. Come help me praise him. Look what the Lord has done. All right, all right, all right. I knew I was home. That's what I thought. All right. Amen. You may be seated. Like I say, it's good to be in my second home. As I mentioned this morning, I kid you not, if I was going to, if I lived in Delaware, this is where I'd come to church. So if you're new, you're looking for a church, folks, you found it. You found it. You got the best, in my opinion, the best pastoral team. I'm biased, of course, but I think you do. I think you got the best. And certainly they have meant a lot to me in my life. I would not be where I am today for better. And certainly for better, no worse. You thought I was going to say worse, didn't you? You thought I was going to say it, and I'm not going to say it. Only for better. Folks, to have people in your life that challenge you, that encourage you to do better, and encourage you to think differently, that is a blessing of the Lord and nothing short of it. And so I'm very thankful for your pastoral team. Each and every one of them have had a great impact on my life. And I owe you many, many thanks. Thank you. This morning, I had the opportunity to uh, challenge, and I say challenge, I use that term very loosely, but the, for us to consider that maybe sometimes we just have to get out of God's way. How many remember a little bit of this morning? Sometimes I walk away and forget what I preached. Don't feel bad. But the idea that humanity very much can get in the way of God quite often Folks, we live in a very broken, messed up world, and the best that we can hope for is that we learn to trust God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. Some days we do that better than others. And today, my encouragement for you tonight is to know him better so that it's easier to get out of his way. When you know him and you walk with him, there is something about knowing him more that changes how you perceive him and how you perceive your relationship with him. Knowing him more allows you to become more like him. Philippians 3, Paul says, oh, that I might know him. It is a plea. It is a, oh, I want to know him. Folks, it doesn't matter how far you have come, whether you are here for the first time or you've served the Lord for a thousand years, you will always find in your walk with him a place, if Paul did, certainly I do tonight, a place that says, oh, that I might know him, that I might know him more, that I might become more like him. 
The day that that ceases to happen, I have to question myself. Am I really still searching for him? Am I really still trying to figure out who he is? Each of us in the room this evening, we're on a journey. How many know that life is a journey? Filled with bumps, bruises, and everything in between. Some of you, you've been on this journey for a long time. Others, as I mentioned before, the journey for you from following the Lord is relatively short. Just because you got saved doesn't mean that God wiped every bad thing away from your life. Life still happens. Things still happen. But what he did do was promise that he would walk with you. He would strengthen you. He would give you his spirit to help lead you and guide you. I love that promise from the Lord because certainly I need it. But to be honest with you, part of what he said he would do is he would be our ever-present time of help. He'd be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. But it was an invitation to us, meaning there is a reaction on our part that must occur. Can anybody tell me what that is? There is a reaction on our part that must occur. He invited us to come to him, but he won't come in without you saying yes. There has to be a yielding of our spirit. There has to be a yielding of our mind, our, our everything to him. In order to have a relationship with Jesus, we have to know who he is. Meaning you are ever the student. There is never a graduation until you get to heaven. You are ever trying to find out who he is. Elder, as far as you have come, there is still more to know about Jesus than there was yesterday. There is still a place where you and I tonight are still searching for him. With every situation of life, you learn something new about God. With every day that you exist, something different about God's character, who he is, is revealed to you. And knowing who he is allows you to become more like him. I know who my dad is, my physical, I know who my dad is. There are things that I like about my dad, things I don't like about my dad. And the more I try not to be like my dad, the more I find myself being my dad. Because his attributes have been passed down, also, I have spent time in his presence. And I have gotten to know him through a relationship. You can know a person for years, but they always show something different. How many times have you been friends with somebody? 5, 10, 15, 20, you name the, the year. Down the road, you say, I never knew this about you. I've never known this about you. Why? Because in your pursuit of your friendship with them, new information comes to you and it alters, for good or for bad, alters the way that you perceive that person and how you pursue relationship with them. Folks, it is no different with God. Tonight, each and every one of us, no matter where we're at, we are called to know him more. And so the challenge to us tonight is no matter how long you've been doing this, are you still searching for him? Is he still priority number one? And do you still find yourself saying, oh, that I might know him? Here it is. Luke chapter four, verse 16 begins this way. 
So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. As he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, when he stood up and opened the book, he found the place where it is written. Here it is, God's mission and mandate. I love this. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He still heals the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There's the mission right there. Then he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And they began to say, and began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So here's Jesus. He declares the mission and purpose of his ministry. And then he says, Everything that I've just said, it's fulfilled in your sitting. He declared who he was to them that day. A very clear sign of who he was. Verse 22, so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and they said, is this not Joseph's son? I'm not even going to blame anybody in the crowd because if I grew, there's people I grew up with. Elder, if they got up and said that, I'd have probably been like, what? Is that not so-and-so, son, I know them. Folks, there was a place in that town where they were saying, I grew up with this guy, I know this guy. But did they really know who was in their presence? Jesus stood in front of those that he had known his entire life. He declared to them who he was, declared his mission, declared his purpose, and yet those that had known Jesus for years no doubt heard the story of his miraculous birth, his miracles in other places, looked on him that day and said, isn't this Joseph's son? They had known, them, had known him their whole entire life, yet they had grown so accustomed to him being Joseph's son, they could not see him as Messiah. They had become so accustomed to him being something other than Messiah that when he comes and proclaims himself Messiah, they don't see it. Folks, you can be around God for a long time. You can come to church and do all that, and we'll talk about that later. But if we're not careful, we can slip into a mode of thinking things about God, and maybe that isn't who he is at all. If you read the rest of the passage, you'll find out they eventually run him out of town. They try to kill him. I don't know about you, but that's a scary place to be. They're trying to run him out of town and kill him. Jesus couldn't even do great things in their midst because of their unbelief. Folks, I never want to become immune to the working of God's Spirit. So immune that I shut down what he tries to do. In the thought that I know him, but don't really know him. Whether you've walked with Jesus a long time, you're hearing him today, the bottom line is you and I need to figure out and know him more today than we did yesterday. So who is this Jesus? John 1 and 14. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is only, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Folks, he is living word. I'm in a church that believes in Bible quizzing, the very best of the best. Folks, I tell you the truth. I, I don't think I have to say this would probably be more for some other church, but I'll, I'll just repeat it for myself. Folks, the word is life. The word is able to set you free. The word is able to renew your mind and your spirit. The word is so powerful that I have heard stories of people that had nothing else other than the word and it changed their life. Folks, he is living word. If you get a hold of your Bible, you start reading it, you start spending time in his presence and time in his word, you're going to begin to quickly understand who he is, what he likes what he doesn't like. Folks, I'm talking to a group of people today. You're here because you love God. You're here because you're faithful to the house of God. And I'm so thankful for that. But statistics bear out in the United States alone, people who claim Christianity, many of them are not in their word. I'm here to say, God forbid that it happened in this church that is so amazing with Bible quizzing, changes. I, I, I don't, who, who has won? in the district other than Newark, Wilmington and, and Pennsville, all also products of Newark as well. Folks, I'm in a church that loves scripture. So I hope each and every one of us today are in that word, getting to know who he is, know what he likes and what he doesn't like. Folks, trying to do Christianity without his word is nigh impossible. If you find that in your life, living for God is difficult, let's look back and say, hey, am I spending time in the word where he can speak to me? He can talk to me? He can renew my soul? He can renew my spirit? Because he is his word. He was in the beginning and through him all things were made. Nothing was made without him. In him was life and life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. Folks, he is his word, and he is light in your darkness, able to change you, able to minister to you. But it starts with your time of getting to know him. How is your time in the word? It's just family here tonight. How is your time in the word? How is your time in prayer? Your pastor mentioned it earlier, and I concur. I feel this strongly because it's what I tell young people. It's what I tell my church back home. Folks, there are so many voices today calling for your ear. That was spot on, Pastor. That's true. There are so many voices calling for your ear that if you're not careful, they can replace the word in your life. I'm talking about people who love God. I'm talking about people who are faithful to God. I'm talking about the faithful. If you're not careful, the things of this world will vie for your time spent in the word and in prayer. And what begins to happen is those begin to replace living word, the light that shines in darkness. And then you find yourself overcome with depression, overcome with the things of this world, overcome and you wonder why. And the answer is maybe more time spent with the light of the world. Maybe more time spent in his word, allowing it to saturate your soul. Because God forbid we ever get to the place that we think we know him, and yet we do not know him. God forbid. 
We have to become careful today that we haven't gotten so used to church that we allow that to become the depth of our walk with God. As I mentioned, I'm talking to people who are faithful, people that love God today. But I'm here to tell you that there is a place that we can get to if we're not careful. We can come to church, go through the motions of church. And that becomes the substance of our walk with God. Church, God loves you so much. God cares for you so much that he is beckoning to each and every one of us today. Let me have the relationship with you that you could only dream of. Let me be the source of your strength. Let my spirit be available to you to empower you and to give you peace and joy. And, and you fill in the blank. But that only comes through knowing him and time spent in his word each and every day. I'm going to read another passage. I find it very interesting. The Pharisees are a very interesting study. Because the Pharisees, in their own right, were looking to preserve their culture in a time in which culture was being threatened. Sound familiar? John chapter 8 reads this way. It's an exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees. Here, here I will say this. The Pharisees were probably more faithful to church than me. Paul brags, I say brags, he did, I mean he did, he bragged. Philippians 3, he bragged. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisee. In the law, I was perfect. I like Paul, he cracks me up. I don't think I would have liked him in person, but he's funny. I, I mean, he goes, he goes, he brags about being a Pharisee. He says, I was perfect. I was perfect in it. If you want to talk about putting your faith in the law, you want to talk about going to church, you want to talk about being in small group, you want to talk about, I was perfect. I attended all of those things. Yet in Philippians 3, he's saying, oh, that I might know him. There is an indication to me that he went through the process of doing all of the right things and yet did not know him. So when we get to this passage, when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, it reminds me of Paul, John 8 and 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Also remember the Pharisees were looking for the Messiah. They were studying scripture. They were looking for him, Brother Desi, looking for his return. Verse 57, then said the Jews unto him, Jesus, thou art not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. You cannot get more plain than that. Jesus is telling them outright, before Abraham was, I am. It's a direct messianic claim. In this passage, Jesus is referring to himself as the one and only I am. Not three separate beings, not second among many. He was telling the Pharisees that day, the same God that spoke to Moses out of the bush, the same God who knew their father Abraham, the same God who spoke the world into existence was in fact the same God that was in their midst that day. The I am is in your midst that day. The Pharisees who prided themselves on knowing scriptures, prided themselves on knowing who God was and having an awareness of the coming Messiah were entertaining the very one that they were looking for but couldn't see it because the expectation 
expectation of what he should be was clouded by who he really was. They had an appearance of knowledge, but did not know who he was. So even when he came out right and said, I am Jesus, uh, I am the one, I am the great I am, they still could not comprehend. They attended church more than me. They studied scripture more than me. I give them their props and do. They were more faithful than me. And yet the Bible says they could not see him even though he was right in front of them. God forbid, God forbid that I become like this. Clouded by expectations, clouded by the fact that he was not what they were expecting him to be. Mm. Can I be honest? I've been honest all day. I might as well finish being honest. I ain't going to lie to you now. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes when I come to church, and maybe this isn't for you. Again, I'm very carnal, so this is for me. Sometimes, sometimes when I come to church, I'm not looking for Jesus. I'm looking for my version of Jesus. I'm talking to people who love God now. You love him. But is it possible that there are sometimes we come into the house of God and we're not looking for Jesus, we're looking for our version of Jesus. Sometimes when I'm looking for Jesus, I'm looking for the kind of Jesus that will satisfy the wants of my soul and not the needs of my soul. For those who know Jesus, you know that he's interested in working on your heart. He's interested in saturating you with his spirit. He's interested in challenging us to live higher and live closer to him. That's why I say, since you're so faithful to God and since you're here in his presence in the first place, we might as well look for who he really is and lay aside the expectations. I love what I felt in the building today. You laid aside expectations of how worship should go, and God came in in such a beautiful way. Folks, that's what he's looking for. Lay aside every expectation. We're apostolic. He died for us. He wants to fellowship with us. So when we come in the building, let's lay aside expectation and say, God, I want to see you for who you really are. I want to experience you in the fullness of who you really are. I want to feel your presence fully with no expectation, no clouded judgment. Folks, I want to know him. I want him to satisfy the needs of my soul and not just the wants of my soul. There is, there is, even amongst the disciples, we're in good company. Now, I, again, I'm talking to myself. I hope you get something from it. You didn't know you were bringing me in to do my own therapy. <laughs> when Jesus asked his disciples in Mark, who do men say that I am? That's a very direct question. They're not beating around the bush. He's flat out asking them, who do people say I am? They, 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 uh, they don't tackle that with too much enthusiasm. They come up with some crazy answer. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist, one of the prophets. Then he asked, who do you say 
that I am. Peter spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, son of the living God. Peter had an awareness that came from heaven of who he was walking with and what he was capable of doing. I applaud Peter for his revelation. I think it's an amazing thing. What breaks my heart is that there were 11 other disciples that did not know or did not confirm as Peter did with as much assurity. Folks, every single one of us today should have that kind of assurance that I know who my father is. I know what he is capable of in my life. I know in whom I have believed. When we can do that, life begins to change drastically. Life begins to take on something completely different. I can walk with assurance that I didn't have before. You see, Peter answers with so much assurance because he knew who God was. He didn't beat around the bush. He didn't guess. What would be different in our life if we had that kind of assurance? What would be different in your life if you left here tonight with that kind of assurance, that kind of faith, that kind of trust in God, what would be different in your life? Folks, I never want to get to the point that I come into the building, I do church as normal, and the great I am is present, ready, and willing, and because I have allowed myself to be lulled into a sense of knowing but not knowing, I miss what he really wants to do. I miss the leading of his spirit, the leading of his hand, because I have a false sense of understanding who he is. I want to know him more. I want to know him in the fullness of who he is. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We established earlier that he is his word and we read in Matthew 24 and 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, they'll never pass away. Jesus remains the same because his word remains the same. He will always remain the same. To those young and old, new in Christ, seasoned disciple, know that God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Know that today Jesus will not conform to who we want him to be, but rather he is all I need him to be. Understand that Jesus in this house tonight is the, inv in the invitation anyway, is come and know who I am. Come and know who I am. Can I tell you there is no person that he can't lead, touch, minister to. Thomas is an interesting person too. Doubting Thomas? We talk about doubting Thomas. Thomas knew Jesus, walked with him for a long time. They were friends, you could say. Yet when Jesus dies, raises from the dead, what does Thomas do? Until I what? Until I put my hands in his, in his nail-scarred hands and I put my hand in his side. I'm not going to believe Folks, if you're having problem believing in certain things or walking in a certain way, that, God's not phased by that. God isn't phased by that at all. 
What he does do is learn how he, he takes your hand, your doubting hand, and he guides it right back to him. Don't let fear, don't let doubt, don't let confusion ever get in the way of you trying to figure out who he is or walking with him or knowing him. Put your hand in his hand and he will guide you right back to the source of who he is. Love, joy, peace, all of the things that you want and desire. Folks, I desire to know him and I desire to be led of the spirit. But I have to learn to put my faith, my trust in him. Part of that, what gets in the way, we talked about that earlier, part of what gets in the way is my lack of understanding, my fears. Lay it all aside. Lay aside every preconceived idea. Lay aside every doubt and fear of who God is and learn to trust him. John chapter 10, 25 through 30, Jesus, talking about the Pharisees, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name, they testify." About me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. We need to walk in the Spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of our flesh, but we need to have ears that are tuned to listen to our Father. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What a promise we have from God. If I know him, I know his voice. I come to his voice. I listen to him. Nobody's going to snatch me out of his hand. That's a promise from God. I can put my confidence and my hope in that tonight. I and my father, we are one. So folks, what is my responsibility in all this? Is to know him, to know his voice, to know his word, and to follow after him with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. That's my responsibility. And God will take care of the rest. I know his voice because I know his word. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, "Is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's the word of God. Why don't we stand together tonight? Many of us in the house tonight come to church because we love God. We're faithful to the house of God. We care about the things of God. But folks, this is my firm belief, and I rest my hat on this and everything that I pursue. There's never going to come a point that I really know him the way that I think I should, and that's a good thing. The day I stop trying to figure him out, the day I stop trying to learn about more about him, desire him, I got to check my heart because it should be my driving passion and desire. But you know why I need to know him? And I mean really know him because in these last days that we live in, there are so many voices, so many people that are saying, thus saith the Lord, this, that, and the other. Folks, you need to know him. And know his voice so that you are not easily swayed when that day of testing comes. That's really what it comes down to. 
Because there's a lot of people that are pretty convincing. But if you know who your father is, you know his word, even Satan knew the value of Scripture, quoted it. If Satan took notice of how powerful Scripture is, shouldn't I? My enemy thinks it's pretty powerful. Maybe I should look at it. Church, our passion and our desire should be, Lord, let me know you in the fullness of who you are. I promise you, when you make him that kind of priority, whether you've served him for five minutes or you've served him for 5,000 years, what you will find is that is the heart that he's looking for because he's drawing by his spirit. He's calling to us, beckoning to us to come closer, come closer, come closer, come closer, come closer until you begin to emanate a lot of who he is. If I know Jesus, that's because I've spent a lot of time in his presence. I've spent a lot of time in his word. Why is that important? I've mentioned a few things. I'll mention one more in closing, then I'll turn it over. Here it is. After Jesus left, Brother Desi, the disciples had a conundrum. What do we do from here? We don't have the master with us anymore. It's a problem. God gives his spirit. Every one of us need to have his spirit. More importantly, they had spent time with him when the Pharisees questioned Jesus or questioned the disciples, they're first going out without the master being there. Pharisees bring them in. The Bible says that they had perceived that those disciples had been with Jesus. Why? Because they talked like him. They acted like him. Folks, I want to know him because I want to act like him. I want to know him so that when people look to see who Jesus is, they don't look at me, but they look at me pointing the way. Because if he can do that in me, he can do that in you. I'm going to turn it over to your pastor, but I wonder if we can lift our voice and we can lift our hands to the Lord and we can make this declaration tonight. Lord, I know you, Lord, I trust you, I believe in you, but God, I'm asking that tonight, Lord, I would come with no expectation. Lord, I would come with a firm belief that you are here in this place. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.